Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, we are going to be getting ready for the Northeast Regional Cancer Institute's Casual Day. What does casual stand for? Amanda Marcajani and Lauren Allen are here, and they'll give you not only that, but much more information as well. We're also going to hear from physician's assistant Dawn Webster with MedExpress in Pittsburgh. She's going to be telling us about a subject that not too many people like to talk about, head lice. And we're going to start off by going over some of the things maybe you missed earlier in the week. Intercom's Jason Barsky had the opportunity to speak with Senator John Udichak about the impending closing of SCI retreat. We'll find out what the senator has to say. But we're going to start off special edition today with Intercom's Frank Andrews. He was on the air for Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. He took the opportunity to thank all law enforcement members from not only locally but around the country for the jobs that they do, including U.S. Attorney for the Middle District of Pennsylvania, David Freed, who joined him as part of the program. Today is Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. Now you say to yourself, why do we need a Law Enforcement Appreciation Day? And, and that's a really good question. Why do we need a law? Shouldn't we be grateful every day? And I think we need a Law Enforcement Appreciation Day because we have come to a point where <sighs> something is missing. There's a lack of respect and a lack of understanding and a lack of respect and a lack of gratitude. Earlier this week, I received uh, some information from the U.S. Attorney's Office, David Freed, and said, do you know it's Law Enforcement Appreciation Day? I would appreciate the opportunity to be on the program, and I felt guilty that I didn't know it. David is on the line with us right now, and the first thing I want to say, David, is thank you for your service, and thank you for giving us a swift kick that we need to have an entire show for Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. I got to send that right back at you. I was able to catch the tail end of your last segment. I have to say I got goosebumps when I heard you say that you've dedicated the entire program to this subject today. Uh, it's well-deserved, and, and I thank you for that, you know, for recognizing, you know, all the folks out there in state, federal, local law enforcement, you know, those everyday heroes. Uh, but I think certainly in this day and age, Frank, you can feel like they're under attack sometimes. Yeah, you know, a, a, cu a couple of people have said, and I've seen this on some of the websites, like, why do we need a law enforcement appreciation day? I mean, shouldn't we be grateful every day? Why do we need something set aside? Well, we should back the blue every day. And, and I was thrilled. You know, when I joined the United States Department of Justice and, and Jeff Sessions was the attorney general, he never, never made public comments without talking about our relationships, how 85 percent of law enforcement is state and local and how we back the blue. I think he said that in all of his public comments. And, and that's important for everybody to know. You know what, Frank? Most 
most people, you know, going about our lives, law-abiding citizens, we don't really, we don't, we don't encounter the police most days. And we don't see what's out there. You know, I've been so fortunate in this business to work at the state level, local level, and now at the federal level, and just to see the incredible work and sacrifice and dedication of our law enforcement officers. Uh, so I think it's great to have, you know, one day where we all get together and say, thank you. Uh, but certainly let's do it every day. I, I, I agree. And, you know, one of the things that has been coming up over and over again is the fact that the media sometimes only accents the bad cops, only accents the bad things. And so, you know, I said, hey, let's do three hours, no cop bashing. And I'm overwhelmed, David, at the people who are calling with stories about police officers safety saving their lives, saving their property, helping them, you know, helping their kids. It's been amazing. Well, I, I have to say I'm not surprised about that because, you know, the, the, the folks in northeastern Pennsylvania, uh, you know, we see that support out there for law enforcement. Uh, and, and as you know, Frank, often it's a, it's a, it's a silent uh, majority out there. Uh, but when, when, when we do something, you know, uh, and, and, and the police uh, uh, make a great arrest or solve a case, uh, and, and we feel that support from folks. You know, the last press conference I did in Scranton, we were announcing criminal charges against police officers. So, you know, I think it's important that everybody know, uh, look, when, when anybody does wrong, whether it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a guy that works at the grocery store or a woman who's a teacher or a police officer or a doctor, you know, we're going to do our job. But the vast, vast majority of our law enforcement officers, and I mean way over 99%, are out there just doing the job every day. And, Frank, you know, I'm sure somebody said it today, you know, there's always that little twinge in the family and in that officer when they when they strap that belt on and go out every day of whether they're going to come home safe. Absolutely. David, I want to thank you for your service, your entire staff defending and protecting us, and thank you for reminding us to do this program, and thank you for calling, sir. Frank, thanks for your great work. Really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you very much. U.S. Attorney for the Middle District of Pennsylvania, David Freed. Thanks again to Intercom's Frank Andrews and U.S. Attorney for the Middle District of Pennsylvania, David Freed, celebrating National Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. And by the way, just so you don't miss it when it comes around next year, Law Enforcement Appreciation Day is celebrated on January 9th. Also this week, Senator John Udichak has been one of the people in the forefront of trying to save SCI Retreat in Newport Township. It was announced that the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections have decided that they would recommend to Governor Tom Wolfe to close the facility. That isn't sitting well with the senator as well as other local legislators. He took the opportunity to speak with inter comes Jason Barsky shortly after the announcement was made. Senator, good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, I was just going over the details about uh, this. Uh, the Department of Corrections, I got this right, they, they announced that their recommendation is to close retreat. Yes, as a result of the Act uh, 133 process, the Public Safety Facilities Act that, that we passed in the General Assembly, uh, in good faith to protect uh, the voices of, of families and communities that would be negatively impacted by the closure of a state facility. Uh, we had a state law in place to require a state agency to go through a detailed process uh, and to produce a report, a public report, uh, uh, that would detail their recommendation uh, of a closure. And uh, unfortunately, uh, this process uh, in the General Assembly's 
uh, spirit in, in, in passing the Public Safety and Facilities Act was not respected, and, and the families uh, of SEI retreat and families of Luzerne County were not respected in, the, in this process. That's the most disappointing uh, part of, of this uh, terrible news uh, that we received this morning that the Department of Corrections will recommend uh, the closure of SEI retreat. How, how were they not respected? Is it just the result you don't like, or were there parts of the report that you know of that were like unfair and they didn't take it as seriously or they didn't weren't as diligent in, their, in looking into this? Two points. Process. Uh, when uh, the Secretary of Correction to oversees this process gets caught uh, in, in an honest moment uh, and, and says it, it was never his intention to close this prison. He doesn't want to close this prison, uh, but he's being forced uh, by the administration to close the prison. And worst of all, the toughest blow uh, uh, to hear uh, uh, the uh, correction secretary say uh, that he didn't want to be there to listen. Uh, uh, and someone who is very passionate about representing the people of northeastern Pennsylvania, for us not to be heard, for us not to have a seat at the table, for us not to be respected, uh, uh, that's a, a terrible insult uh, to the people of Luzerne County and a terrible insult to the General Assembly in the process uh, that we've established. So when you look at the numbers, and I look at a number uh, the Department of Community and Economic Development in this report uh, suggests that uh, close to 50 $45 million in annual spending uh, from SCI retreat will stay in the local economy. How is that possible? Uh, you got a $60 million budget. That is going to be lost. Uh, they, further in the report, they note that local vendors are going to lose over $13 million. There's a ripple effect. There's the 400 yeah. jobs at SCI retreat uh, that, uh, that you have the potential to lose. And then the small businesses, the vendors that provide services, uh, they're going to take a devastating hit. So this this could be a, as as many as a thousand jobs lost in Luzerne County. To suggest that's not going to be a, na- a big negative impact. If it was a factory, a manufacturing factory, uh, and we're talking about the loss of a thousand jobs, uh, we'd be doing everything in our power to save those jobs. And unfortunately, uh, we have state government here uh, ripping that uh, that economic uh, power away from uh, the people of Luzerne County. What do you think your chances are? How about this? What is the next step from your perspective? Because uh, next step yeah. is this report goes to the governor. Governor Wolf will have the final decision. We have a bipartisan coalition uh, that we are going to make uh, our final plea to the governor uh, that uh, the people of Luzerne County should be respected. Uh, these jobs should remain in Luzerne County. SEI retreat should remain open. Yeah, uh, I have to read through the report, but I was just going back to what you said. It is kind of fascinating to say that they said there won't be an economic hit from closing the prison, which is like the opposite of what people say when they want to put something like a prison. And they say this will bring jobs to the area. And as a result, will there be more businesses? It's, you know, it obviously goes the other way. If you take out a giant business, it's kind of mind blowing that they would. There's, there's no question. And, and when you look, one of the other uh, things in the report that really uh, uh, stuck out. Uh, the labor and industry did a, a study and looked at the reemployment prospects of, of these employees. Out of the 400 employees, uh, L&I suggests that over 300 employees are going to have a difficult time finding reemployment in the economy in northeastern Pennsylvania if they don't find a, another job in the state system. And according to this report, uh, there is only uh, 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 79 vacancies for corrections officers in that 65-mile radius. We have 270 corrections officers at SEI Retreat. Where are they going to go? Where are they going to be reemployed? Are they going to be able to, to, to draw down the salaries that they've been able 
to do over the years at SCI Retreat. They're tough jobs. They do a tremendous job. And unfortunately, their voices were not heard in this process. That was the whole point of putting a law in the books, the Public Safety and Facilities Act, to make sure that communities and families impacted, negatively impacted by the closure of a state correctional facility, their voices should be heard. And I don't, this report certainly does not reflect their voices were heard. I hope the governor will listen to the people of Luzerne County uh, and give us a reprieve and keep SEI retreat open. Um, you said there's 79 current openings at other state prisons with, with the influx of other people from the, uh, if retreat would close and the, the prisoners would go to different facilities, would they would that number go up, do you think? Mm-hmm. They, they would need more staff to handle the heavier prison population? We're, we're, we're going to have to see how that unfolds. And that's another discouraging thing apart. Uh, one of the reasons that they cite for closure is the decrease in inmate population. To say the inmate population has gone down by 1,900 inmates uh, in, in the last fiscal year. But you can see that those numbers uh, are artificially inflated. Uh, the parole release is up. Uh, you have folks that have uh, absconded, over 1,700 uh, inmates who are on parole who have not reported to their parole officer, and no one's put them back in jail. So that's 1,700 parole violators on the streets. Uh, We had over 98 homicides last year by folks out on parole. We need to do a better job in our correction system. I don't want to build an economy uh, on corrections, uh, but I want our correction system to be fair, uh, and I want those jobs, uh, those good quality jobs, to remain in communities like Newport Township, where this is the largest employer. They or Newport Township will be crippled uh, by the closure of, of SEI Retreat, in addition to some of the neighboring towns like Shikshini, which their sewer authority serves uh, SEI Retreat. Over 50% of their sewage business yeah. is SEI Retreat. Uh, how are they going to recover that? They were asked in, in good faith by the Commonwealth to be partners, uh, and unfortunately, uh, the Commonwealth is walking away from communities like SEI, or excuse me, like Newport Township and Shikshini. Are any of your uh, colleagues... Uh, in the uh, state senate, are they for this closure? Have you talked to anyone who's like, oh, you know, that's the best thing to do? Is anyone, are there names you could throw out there that we could target and go, hey, everyone call these people and explain to them why this is a bad idea? Or well, are most of the people locally? Great support, great support from my, my colleague, Senator Baker and Senator Gordon. And they've, they've stood okay. with me through this whole process. But uh, it, it, mostly uh, uh, legislators from, from uh, southeastern Pennsylvania, some of our urban centers uh, that that look at at, uh, corrections reform in a different way than I do. Uh, I certainly want uh, the most efficient correction system. Uh, I want it to be fair. Uh, But uh, the idea uh, that we simply should close facilities, you know, there was was a real pivotal moment uh, for me in this process. The day before uh, uh, the Secretary of Corrections and the department was coming up to Nanticoke, to the Nanticoke High School, to hear from 400 families of SEI retreat and from the communities of Luzerne County that were going to be impacted by the closure of SEI retreat. The day before, Lieutenant Governor of Pennsylvania was at, at SEI Dallas talking to 180 lifers, inmates that have been given a life sentence in Pennsylvania, which means they have been part of a homicide, taking an innocent life. Mm-hmm. And the and the message to those 180 lifers from the lieutenant governor was, this is your best chance in 40 years to get out of jail. Apply for clemency. We want to give you a second chance at a future. 
I want to give a second chance in the future for those 400 families at SEI Retreat who their lives are going to be disrupted, their families are going to be disrupted, uh, uh, and, and the economy of Luzerne County is going to be disrupted. It's really about who and what uh, do you value, and I value those workers uh, that go to work every day in the toughest jobs that you can imagine. And, uh, and unfortunately, the Department of Corrections, uh, in, in, in issuing this report, and in how they handle the process, certainly didn't respect uh, those individuals. What can uh, people listening right now do? Like uh, on hold right now, I have a, someone who's a corrections officer at SEI Retreat. What can the people who work there do? What can the people listening do? The uh, next step is is to contact uh, uh, the governor's office uh, to make your voices heard, uh, whether through social media, uh, email, phone calls. Uh, contact uh, your, your state senators, your state representatives, uh, and contact the governor's office. It, it will ultimately up to the governor whether this recommendation, whether he adheres uh, to this recommendation and calls for the closure of SI retreat. Uh, that responsibility, uh, that final decision uh, rests with the governor. On the other hand, there was also some good news this week. Legislation that would prohibit the scheduled closures of the Whitehaven and Polk State Centers by the Pennsylvania Department of Human Services was passed overwhelmingly by the House of Representatives. It headed back to the Senate for a vote on amendments made by the House. The bill would prevent closure of the facilities for a minimum of five years. Now don't go away, there's more special edition to come, and we're going to find out about Casual Day. Welcome back to Special Edition. Here's a question. If you had a way to know if you might be coming down with something, would you take the opportunity to check it out and maybe able to avoid it or at least be able to get treatment early? Then my next question is, Have you had a colonoscopy? That's right, because screenings for colorectal cancers can detect those cancers early, and if caught early, they can be dealt with faster and with much more success. That's why the Northeastern Regional Cancer Institute has Casual Day coming up. We're going to meet Amanda and Lauren, who are spearheading the effort to get the word out that colonoscopies aren't so bad and they can be life-saving amanda's back i am back thanks for having us regional cancer institute it's that time of the year i shouldn't be so excited but i am because casual day is something that everybody needs to get involved with first of all tell us about the northeast regional cancer institute so we've been around for over 27 years we are a local nonprofit in the area and our mission is to ease the burden of cancer in northeastern pennsylvania and really casual day speaks to that Uh, we know that in our area we have a higher incidence and mortality rate than the national average uh, specifically related to colon cancer And so this event, this will be our 17th year. Um, It started with a brother and sister duo. And um, I'm glad you're excited about Casual Day because I tell everyone in the office that that's my favorite day of the year because the community really does come together um, and shows their support to their coworkers, family and friends that have battled cancer um, and to really support our organization. Um, And I just enjoy seeing everyone in their shirts and their pins and their wristbands uh, supporting us. So, What does CASUAL stand for? CASUAL stands for Colon Cancer Awareness Saves Unlimited Adult Lives. 
definitely a mouthful. So we keep the acronym. And really, this brother and sister duo, Michael Moran and Mara Stayback, came to the Cancer Institute. Uh, their mother had been diagnosed with late-stage colon cancer, and she had not had um, a screening done after age 50. And unfortunately, she passed shortly after her diagnosis. So they did not want anyone to go through what they did. So they came to our organization. They came up with this acronym. And really, it's evolved from Michael and Mara being in a kitchen, wrapping ribbons around T-shirts, to now we work with a partner, um, One Point, and they help us distribute T-shirts all across northeastern Pennsylvania. Now, I'm going to bring in Lauren. What is your official title? Uh, Lauren Allen. I'm the Director of Client Community Relations at PNC Bank in Northeast PA. But when you're not there... Uh, I'm fortunate enough this year to be chairing Casual Day. Chairing casual. See, I should have asked you what the acronym casual stands for. (laughs) That would have been the determining factor. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you. As Amanda was telling us, I'm excited about um, casual day because it gets people talking. So what was your involvement in order to get involved with the Northeast Regional Cancer Institute, in particular with casual day? So my personal involvement with the Cancer Institute started um, through PNC. We've been a sponsor of Casual Day for many, many years. Um, Also, many of my family members, friends, and colleagues um, have dealt with colon cancer. Um, So I've seen firsthand the importance of screening. When we talk about Casual Day and we talk about colon cancer, Amanda said 17 years now that this has been going on. Let's take a trip back in time. People didn't talk about colonoscopies or any of those things. Did you find that? So true. Um, Colon and rectal cancer seem to be a little taboo to talk about. Um, That's the importance of raising awareness. Um, We're fortunate to have screening methods for this type of cancers. There's a lot of cancers where there are no screening methods. Um, So it's important to talk about colonoscopies and other screening methods, um, encourage people to to get them. And um, if they do have colon or rectal cancer, it is a highly curable cancer if caught early enough. That's one of those things where a lot of times, and I being the chair of this particular event, have you become the, oh, she's the colonoscopy lady. Here she comes again. Tell me to get a colonoscopy screening. Uh, I think people are open to it. Casual day is such a fun thing. Um, it's a fun way to participate. You can buy the wristband, the pin, uh, short sleeve shirt or long sleeve shirt. Uh, everybody comes together on that day and it takes that taboo away from it. All right. Well, let's bring Amanda back in here because she also mentioned the the ribbons and the shirts. And uh, so what's all this about now? We get tchotchkes. <laughs> yes, yes. So we've had our long sleeve cotton t-shirt uh, for many, many years. And last year we introduced a short sleeve option for a lot of individuals. We know we have an active community. So the short sleeve shirts are a dry fit shirt. So you can wear it to the gym. It's a nice night shirt. Um, it, it's just another option for people. Uh, as March is kind of that in-between are we in winter or are we in spring? So you could have your option of, of a short sleeve or a long sleeve shirt. 
The pins we've done historically as well. So it has the blue colon cancer ribbon. It'll say casual, the acronym on it, and then it'll say the year. And then last year, we also introduced the wristbands. They're silicone wristbands. And this year, it has casual on it as well. But this year, it'll be filled in with white. So you could actually see the words casual on it. And that kind of opens up, again, what Lauren was talking about. The whole point of this is really to have that casual conversation with your family and friends about the importance of early detection and screening. And the thing you mentioned, too, was the blue pen. But the shirts aren't blue this year. They are not. So the last couple of years, we have had a community online vote. Uh, people get very excited about the color. Uh, so this year, our color is Texas orange. So it's kind of a fall color, but um, I'm really excited to see our, our actual casual day logo is a really nice blue color. So I think that'll definitely pop on this shirt. So the blue stays, even though it's going to be with a little bit of a Texas flair. Yes. <laughs> Lauren, tell us about what your involvement is going to be on the actual day. What kind of things do you have coming? When is casual day, too? Great question. Um, Casual day is the last Thursday in March. It's March 26th this year. Um, So my hope is obviously in our workplace uh, to be celebrating Casual Day, uh, to visit some other workplaces that are participating. Um, Photos can come in also to the Cancer Institute. Amanda will be happy to share them um, and just promote and celebrate the awareness of that casual conversation that day. Are you going to be doing anything to bring people together? Oh, Amanda says, yes, we (laughs) are, and pushes Lauren out of the way. (laughs) Yes, we typically have a wrap-up party. Um, I believe our location this year is Cooper's in Scranton. And really, it it kind of just brings people together on that day to to celebrate all of the awareness that they've raised, uh, the shirts that they've sold, and to just kind of network with other people in businesses that participate in Casual Day. So it's it's after work hours. It's usually between 5 and 7 p.m., at a, a, a local restaurant um, to just bring people together and kind of celebrate that whole day. It's a little anticlimactic when you're when you're in your workplace. I, I was telling Lauren earlier that I get the pleasure of getting all of the photos and posting them online and really connecting to all, a lot of these team captains from about February until casual day. So I'm just happy that they individuals can come out to this event and network with other people and really just continue to spread that awareness beyond casual day. And when we're talking about team captains, is this something that if people are hearing this and they're saying, you know, in honor of someone or because of what someone has told me, we want to get involved. Do they get in touch with you? Do they get in touch with Lauren? They they get in touch with the Cancer Institute. So we will start our team captain registration begins early in February. And that's anyone that wants to participate. It doesn't necessarily, like you're saying, have to be an organization. It could be a group of friends that want to create this team. And really that team captain just helps to advocate about the event to help sell the t-shirts, pins, and wristbands, and to really collect the the funds after. Um, so anyone that wants to get involved can contact the Cancer Institute and we can get them registered and give them all of the materials that they need. And speaking of materials, does that include 
pamphlets and things that you can bring with you to your workplace? We do have some flyers and definitely information about colon cancer. In all of our t-shirts, pins, and wristbands, we have information about symptoms and risk factors. So the pins are designed, there's five actual cards in there. So it's designed that you keep one and then you share that information with five of your friends to further that conversation. Oh, well, Lauren, I think you have your work cut out for you here. What do you want the folks who are listening to know about Casual Day in particular, your part in all of this? Um, I'm actually part of two teams, my work team and also a friend team this year. Um, we're, we're doing a friend team um, in honor of one of our, our younger friends who is currently undergoing treatment. Early screening was definitely the factor for her uh, to be on the road to recovery. So um, just from my, again, my personal and professional involvement, I'd like to share with everybody really the importance of screening. Um, A colonoscopy is not anything to be afraid of. Um, We're fortunate, again, that we do have methods like that that can can, uh, catch this type of cancer early on. Um, So please consider participating in Casual Day. You can go to the website of the Northeast. Regional Cancer Institute for more information. Um, in addition to direct ordering online, there's other retail outlets in our community that are that help sell the shirts. Um, even individuals can take part um, if they're not part of a team. Um, uh, the more the merrier, the better awareness. Um, it'll help um, raise the um, the um, incidence of cancer survival in our area, and that's an important thing. When people ask you, do you tell them about your colonoscopy? Um, Certainly. I actually had my first colonoscopy about a year ago. Uh, it, it, it really was nothing to be afraid of. I, I would go ahead and do it again tomorrow if I had to. Well, and you get that great nap. <laughs> That's my favorite part. <laughs> we have great health care systems in our community. Um, they take good care of you. Uh, really, there's, there's nothing to be afraid of. I, I must say, it, when you were approached to be the chairperson this year, because you've been involved in years past through PNC and probably just from, you know, hearing about it, what was your reaction uh, it really was an honor. Um, my first thought is the Northeast Regional Cancer Institute has done such a great job with this project for the past 17 years, uh, thanks to the community support. So it was easy to say yes. Well, there you go. I think she's going to say yes maybe <laughs> maybe next year as well. Amanda, give us uh, again the rundown of if anyone would like to, as Lauren mentioned, get involved and maybe start sell some of the shirts or and where do all the proceeds go so all the proceeds stay right here in northeastern pennsylvania it helps us with colorectal education awareness um, and information to the community so if anyone's interested they can go on our website it's cancernepa.org they can call our office which is 570-941-7984 and i'm happy to have a conversation with anyone and as lauren mentioned so we do have a deadline for online ordering which is March 11th. 
And after that date, those are really um, the retail locations help us so that if individuals find out late about this event, they can go to uh, Garrity's, they can go to some of the local pharmacies in the area. We'll have a list on our website as well of those retail locations. But we try to have uh, a retail location in the the counties that we serve. So we serve um, roughly seven to ten counties in in northeastern Pennsylvania. Um, So anyone really can get involved. It's easy for the wristband and the pins, it's a $5 donation, and the shirts, it's a $20 donation. So, um, And also, some of the businesses in the area, they do their own dress-down days for employees. Individuals do bake sales. So you can kind of have some non-traditional ways if you want to support the event, um, if you're not interested in the traditional ways through the shirts, the pins, and the wristbands. And what's the yeah. date for the official? Yes, casual day is Thursday, March 26th. So even if you um, have your regular monthly meeting on the Monday before or something, you can go ahead and get everybody together that day. Yes, absolutely. Oftentimes that happens in in organizations that they they have a big meeting on that Thursday, so they can really customize it. We really just want everyone to raise the awareness and have those conversations. So we're just happy that we have our sponsors and the community support through our team captains that really drive this um, and our partner one point that we wouldn't really be able to do the delivery part of it um, and online ordering without them. And I know we're talking the um, colon cancer, we're talking casual day, but do you have anything other that you have coming up in the near future that maybe you want to give us a heads up on? Now this, because this is going to be the end of March, but we're already into April, we're into the springtime. It is. Um I mean, our other big event is usually in the fall, which that's our Cancer Survivors Day. That's our other uh, event for anyone that's been affected by a cancer diagnosis. So roughly in the summer, that's when we are reaching out to individuals to kind of get involved with that. And then we also work with some volunteer committees. Uh, there's a, usually a 5K. The Dury Dust Committee does that in June. And then our Spirit of Hope celebration is in the fall. So that's another organization, the Board of Ambassadors, that puts that on. Um, and that's more of a gala-style event. So um, so people just yeah. have to get in touch with you. Yes. And maybe they have an idea for something. That would be wonderful. That they would like to come to get in. Lauren, give us that chairperson pitch <laughs> to get everybody involved in this. Casual Day is such a fun way to raise awareness for screening for colon and rectal cancer. It's Thursday, March 26th. Um, Easy to get involved. Go to the Northeast Regional Cancer Institute website or call them. Um, Teams and individuals, we welcome everybody. A big shout out and thank you to all of the sponsors, to the workplaces that allow this to happen, um, and also to our media partners. Paula, thanks so much for having us here today. Absolutely. Colon cancer is probably one of my biggest causes. Got my mom. She was diagnosed in 1985, but they told her you had probably six months. 1997. So that's a testament to not only the great medical care that she had, but also the fact that now's the time to be able to start that because then you didn't say colonoscopy or anything to that effect. So ladies, good luck. Thank Thank you. you. 
Thanks again to Amanda and Lauren for joining us to give us the details about the 17th annual Casual Day with the Northeast Regional Cancer Institute. And a reminder, you can find out more by visiting them on the web at cancernepa.org or give them a call, 570-941-7984. Casual Day, mark the calendar, Thursday, March 26th. And if you go to their website, you can also see the shirt that they were talking about which will be this year's shirt for the 17th annual casual day. Now don't go away. We're going to talk with Dawn Webster. She's a physician's assistant with MedExpress based in Pittsburgh. And Dawn is going to talk about something that we don't usually hear too much about. Head lice. Don't go away. Welcome back to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. There are certain words that when we hear them, they give us a certain reaction. Heat, we think of being hot. Cold, we think of being cold. And if you have children in your family, if you hear the words head lice, you just might start to itch. Physician's assistant Don Webster has details. Don Webster, this is probably one of those topics that no one talks about. How often do you see head lice at your facility? So we see it a good bit, actually. Um, And a lot of the times when we do see it, it's people that come in because they're not sure. They're not sure if they have it, you know. They're not sure if their kids have it. it. They've never had it before. So they come in and they want us to take a look and see what's going on. So how would you know? Or what would bring someone in to say, I think there's something going on here? So a lot of times they get letters at school or daycare saying that there's an infestation that kids in their class or in their um, you know preschool room or their daycare room do have head lice. So they'll come in and they'll say, oh, I'm kind of itchy. But the problem is, as soon as you hear that someone has head lice, you get itchy. Yes. So, you know, (laughs) it's kind of tough. Um, So a lot of times they'll come in and they'll want us to take a look. And that's the only way you can tell. You have to look. You have to kind of comb through the hair, um, you know, part it with your, um, you know, with a, a comb or your hands and really look close to the scalp. What are head lice? So head lice are essentially um, little bugs. I mean, that's the best way to put it. But yeah, they are little bugs. They crawl. Um, you know, they don't jump or um, like fly, but that's how they, they get around. They crawl with their legs. So what makes head lice so prevalent, I guess, because, you know, we do hear about them, even though we don't talk about them too loud. Sure. So the problem is, you know, they can be tough to get rid of, um, especially in kids. A lot of times, little ones, you know, they may feel like their head's itchy, but they're not going to tell you. And, um, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't hurt. So a lot of times they'll tell you something hurts, but if something's just itchy, you know, they're not going to say anything at first. And unfortunately, by the time they do say something, a lot of times, you know, it's, it's pretty well spread. When we talk about head lice, Dawn, a lot of times, again, we, as you mentioned earlier, it it really becomes talked about in school time throughout the the school year. So is there a time of the year that they seem to be more active or is it just that everybody's in 
that kind of environment? Sure. No, I mean, really, it's not time of the year or, you know, climate um, specific. It's kind of just, you know, in the school year, you know, during the school year when kids are together, you know, you're more likely to see it spreading and hear more about it just because, you know, during the summer when kids are home, you know, they're not as likely to be around other kids, you know, quite as often. Now, when we talk about it again, and we mention kids, we mention school, but adults aren't uh, totally immune to all of this happening to them either, correct? Correct. No, it's it, any age can get it. Um, and typically adults do get it from their kids, um, from either, you know, sleeping in the same bed as them or, you know, just laying on the couch with them, watching TV, um, the, the easiest way for it to spread is head-to-head contact. So, you know, laying on the couch side-by-side, side, sitting on the couch side-by-side, side. you know, essentially your head touching their head. Um, it can also spread um, by sharing brushes or pillows or hats. Um, it's just not quite as common because they don't live very long um, on inanimate objects. Um, you know, they have to feed in order to stay alive. Well, that was going to be my next question. Um, when you're out and about, you might be on a bus, you might be in a vehicle, you know, you get to a point where you're afraid to do just about anything because yeah. you don't, because you really don't know where they are, right? Because they're so right. tiny? Yeah, I mean, you can see them. But yeah, they are. I mean, they are little. And if you're not looking for them, you know, on on something, you're not going to see it. But it it is hard for them to live on, you know, inanimate objects. Their legs are, you know, specifically developed to hold on to hair shafts. So, you know, they don't really hold on well to things like, you know, couches. Typically what would happen is they would be on, you know, someone's hair that is on the couch now or in the hat. So it's not that they're coming, you know, they're not jumping off of the hair and landing on the couch. They're, you know, someone has a couple hair strands that are on the couch. The lice are on those hair strands. And then that's how you get it. So we don't want anyone who is listening to think that, well, I'm clean. I wash my hair every day. But that really doesn't have much to do with the transference, correct? Correct. No. Um, and they actually say that lice prefer clean hair, Um so that, you know, that's one of the things to think about. But um, no, so lice actually, um, you know, if you wash and dry your hair, it's not going to affect them at all. They, they live right through that. Essentially, um, they have to be, you know, washed in very, very hot water and then put in the dryer. And they have to hit a minimum temperature of, uh, I don't even know what it is. It's, it's hot, though. And it's got to be like an extended period of time, like 40 minutes. So, like, 40 minutes in the dryer for a hat to kill, you know, the lice in the, um, their eggs or the nits that, you know, may be in there. All right. So, now, what do we do when we have this? And, first of all, is it something that you would need to see a medical professional for? No, not unless you're not sure. You know, and a lot of times at schools, like, kids will go to the school nurse to be checked because it is hard to look at your own hair. Um, the problem is they do. They, they're really close to the scalp, and they're hard to see. So it's kind of tough to, you know, look at your head that closely. Um, but, yeah, if you're not sure or you've never seen it before, um, then, yeah, definitely, you know, you can go to any medical you know, provider to take a look and just kind of give you some reassurance if it is or is not. Um, school nurses also are great at it. You know, they do a lot of head checks. But um, to treat it, um, the products are actually over the counter. 
Um, there are prescription versions um, that really aren't very different, but some insurances cover it. So a lot of times if someone, you know, wants their insurance to cover it, they'll come in and ask for a prescription for it. But the most important part of the treatment process is getting all of the eggs or nits out. Um, you know, a lot of times those eggs won't be killed by the actual, you know, shampoo or, um, you know, solution you're putting on the hair. You actually have to comb them out, and they are stuck to those hair strands. So they a lot of the treatments come with a special comb, and you're, you know, really supposed to go over every single area of hair to make sure there's no little eggs still attached. When we're talking about the treatment, if someone hasn't ever gone through something like this, when you mention each and every hair strand, and I'm thinking of especially young ladies who have very long hair, that's also part of from top to bottom? Sure. Well, the the lice themselves and the eggs are typically no further than a quarter inch away from the scalp. So they feed on the scalp. The eggs need to essentially stay warm, um, so they're only going to be up close to the scalp. But if you're combing someone's hair, if their hair's long, I mean, you can't really just comb like a half an inch. You kind of have to go through all of it. So, yeah, essentially you do have to kind of comb through all of that hair. Wow, that's that certainly is quite a project when I think of, you know, <laughs> young girls in, in school and they like to have their hair long. So are there any ways... To prevent lice? Yes, there are. And now that my kids are in grade school, I've actually learned more and more about this. <laughs> so they sell um, shampoo that has um, essential oils in it, like tea tree, mint. Um, and these essential oils um, are natural repellents. You know, the, if there were, um, you know, a live louse to jump on their hair, if they have that um, scent, they're going to kind of jump off. They don't like that. So essentially, they're lice repellents. Now, the thing I just learned is if your kids get a bath at night, like mine do, the shampoos aren't going to help. So the shampoos and conditioners only last about eight hours. So if you're bathing your kids in the morning, you can use the repellent shampoos and conditioners, and they're going to work for the whole day while they're at school. But if they bathe or shower at night, then your best bet is going to be to get the hair spray and it's like a conditioner detangler spray that also has the the repellent essential oils in it and you can spray their hair in the morning before you brush it or braid it or comb it and then that will also last about eight hours and probably some of the other things such as not sharing items yes and and that's the other thing so um it's tough with kids you know it's easy to tell your five-year-old don't share your hat don't share your headphones and then as soon as they go to school you're not there telling them that so they're going to do whatever they want so yes i mean obviously it's it's best to, to not share hats and and headphones and anything that you know is touching their heads but you know when they go to you know even sports and they have to share helmets you know it, it's tough so it's kind of one of those things you know Prevention is best, but there are some things you can do to kind of help also. And when we're talking about things like that, and you mentioned these, uh, the sprays, could you potentially use that inside a helmet or a hat, and maybe that would be some kind of a deterrent? Um, I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't hurt. It's certainly not on their labels as, you know, one of their, you know, advertised uses, but I, I certainly don't think it would hurt at all. All right. 
Don, anything else that you'd like to uh, add about our discussion about head lice today? Um, no, not really. I guess, you know, the only thing I kind of want to mention is, um, you don't, it's not something that's really talked about until, you know, you do talk about it, and then you're surprised at how many people have had experience with it. So, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to your friends or your family if, you know, you're feeling overwhelmed or, or you need some help, you know, vacuuming your couches after you find out your kids have it. You know, a lot of times people kind of come out of the woodwork when, you know, they have an experience that you're just not aware of. Well, that reminds me then, we also not only have to take care of the hair on our head, but anything that our heads may have come in, t- in contact with as well? Yes. Yeah. So you'll want to wash and dry, you know, pillowcases and, and bed linen, and then couches and car seats. Um, essentially, those you just need to vacuum, and that's just going to pick up any loose hairs that may have an egg um, or a louse still attached. And then get rid of whatever comes out in the vacuum and throw it outside in the garbage can in a sealed <laughs> yeah. bag. <laughs> How long would it take for, for them to go away? Um, so they say anything that can't be uh, laundered, you want to put in a air talk, airtight plastic bag for two weeks. Oh, and that'll kill anything. Okay. Well, Dawn, I can actually say that you were absolutely positively right in the very beginning of our discussion. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, but now I'm itchy. Yeah. And uh, we'll catch you back here again with us the next time. Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. A production of Intercom Communications. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.